Hello, everyone. Uh, finally, my microphone seems to work. I'm not sure for how long. I have busted my back during work. All these packages, man, they're getting too heavy for me. <laughs> I don't want to complain too much, but it's just really, you know, uh, I'm getting older. I can feel it in every part of my body. Oh, wait a second. I forgot to turn off the, the coffee machine. Uh, give me a second here. Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful. Everything is fine. Oh, man. Okay, back in my chair. So today, I'd like to finally address my long-awaited rant and uh, talk about uh, Jason Voorhees and one of my absolutely favorite horror films of all time, which is still Jason Goes to Hell. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I've been sitting here enjoying a cup of coffee. I just came back from work. Um, I've got more work waiting for me. After all this time, I haven't been able to uh, continue my my drafts and my work on the Jason Voorhees comic that I'd like to do. Um, nor have I continued to paint. There is just no time for that, really. I am way behind on my uh, university schedule to learn how to write and you know, being a, a children and... and teenage book author in that kind of um, this kind of field um, it's still fun to do I like all those tasks and homework that you actually get and all the tests you gotta um, complete at, at some point and I have a stack of books I still have to get through which is something I'm gonna do probably tonight and try to get some information into my head while in the background, which you cannot see, but there's a drawing table and there is an illustration waiting for uh, somebody almost finished. It's a caricature of someone who left our company and uh, word got around through, you know, some bosses, some executives, and they talked about uh, the fact that I am still working in that company and occasionally drawing these, these you know, funny gizmos and which is really cool because I, I didn't expect anybody would take them that serious or even enjoy them that much so um, somebody came up to me again and asked me if I could do one more and of course if somebody asks me you know you never say no just it <laughs> just you keep on working on this kind of stuff building up your mileage and reputation so that makes me happy that's really cool and um, I will show you the illustration when, when it's once it is done uh, I just have to blur out some information that regards the company I work for, and I'd like to keep that a secret as much as I can. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> no hard feelings to anybody listening. It's just I don't, I try not to spill too many information, too much information about my private life out in the open in uh, on the internet. I don't care talking about the women I had because, you know, I, I don't care. But a job is, is something I should take more serious than any broad on two legs. I'm sorry. I know I sound very, you know, um, there's a word for that. I sound sexist on, on many levels, which is probably in, to some degree true. However, I would like to really um, get my point across. I do appreciate women the way they are. I like talking to them, I like brainstorming with them, I like discussing 
uh, specific topics with them. I like talking about philosophy. It's all great. I'm not saying that a woman cannot do that. But still, being a man and being the son of my father, uh, we we tend to uh, think quite highly of a, a woman's physique because we do like that. We do find women attractive for you know certain things or or elements or just you know physical attributes because that's the way the human body works in the end. And if you don't find this attractive, then there's something wrong with you. I think. I mean, it's a different thing if you, if you're gay or or anything, but. Look, you cannot, you cannot deny the fact that if you actually go out with a beautiful woman, someone that you personally, I'm just talking you as an individual, whoever's fucking listening, I don't care if you're male, female, if you like, if you, if you met someone that you find tremendously beautiful or attractive for whatever reason, then there is no reason in hell that you cannot enjoy that or shouldn't enjoy that and and cherish it and just you know treat it like like something really beautiful something you want to keep in your memory or maybe somebody you want to take home with you maybe even keep in your life but that's a different case so whenever i talk about women i know there's a lot of sexual stuff in it and uh, especially uh, during my my uh, over 20 or 25 years of experience um, some of the stuff that I experienced was quite negative and, well, it kind of shapes my opinion on quite a few things. And um, the things I addressed in all the other podcasts about, you know, the online dating and stuff like that and my marriage and all that. Look, I had my reasons, okay? I'm, I'm not trying to, to defend myself. I'm just stating a few facts. There were things that sucked. I did mistakes, and it's over. That's the past. But we got to learn from this kind of stuff, right? And that doesn't mean that I change my mind. If if I if I if I want to seriously look for relationship material, of course that woman needs to have a brain for fuck's sake. She needs to be able to talk to me about something, right? You got to have uh, some kind of uh, mental connection here, cerebral connection. To actually get you through the day happy without, you know, just coming to one uh, conclusion. Oh, let's have sex and life is okay. There must be more than that, of course. But I would never say, I'm not that kind of a hypocrite, that I can be happy with a woman even if she physically is not attractive for me. That's bullshit. I have to have both. She must be, she must have something, I am saying. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, a, a model of some sort, like the most gorgeous woman you, you find in these underwear catalogs. No, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the mere fact that she has to have something that I find attractive, uh, something that will always attract me years from now, aside from her personality, the humor, the intelligence, the integrity, all of that. Okay, the whole package needs to be decent enough for any intelligent human being to say okay i'm gonna hit that and if i do i might keep her if i'm lucky that's all so anybody who's listening if you don't agree with me then god's sake just write me a note or something i don't care uh, where was i anyway i'm drifting off i wasn't I, I didn't mean to to get back to that topic again I'm, I'm currently not doing anything. I, I'm, I'm not dating. I would. I, I am open for it, but I just. I don't know how really. I just. 
There's so much going on lately. It's just tremendous. I'm even, I'm even looking forward for the day when I finally can be transferred from my current department to the new department, doing more uh, organizing uh, work, organization and, and logistical organization and maintenance for that part of the company, which will be hopefully quite interesting and more complex than what I did before. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And the team seems to be really nice. So um, why not, you know? But I still haven't got my pass. I don't have any green light. I still have to wait. That's all I can, t I can say for now. Um, I'd like to address the fact that there is a huge problem in the movie industry. This the so-called <clears throat> woke agenda, something that we probably have all um, witnessed or at least talked about. We heard about it on the radio, in, in, on uh, maybe not so much the radio, but YouTube is full of this kind of stuff. And many podcasts in regards to how, how women are supposed to be depicted and portrayed in newer installments. And I think I, I ranted on that pretty much on this, this He-Man episode, uh, the, the He-Man TV show from Kevin Smith. And I have to say, I'm still thinking about this kind of stuff, the issues that we have. And I think online, from all these YouTubers out there, I think um, the critical drinker, the YouTuber, I think, I'm not sure if he's from Great Britain or if he's from Australia, I'm... I'm too clumsy to figure out the, um, the his 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 accent, so I apologize to anyone who, who listens to his material. But he is a genius when he when it comes to the fact of putting all these words together, of expressing himself verbally about the problems in the Hollywood industry with a tongue-in-cheek humor that he really delivers really well, but always hitting the spot. You know, he, he doesn't miss. This guy's really good. If you want to listen to anybody criticizing movies, especially these, these from the woke agenda to the obvious agenda that Disney likes to push, the political interests behind those movies, all that kind of stuff, everything that is wrong with Hollywood these days, he nails like a pro, like a boss. And there's nothing wrong with what he says, at least in my opinion, there's not. You should listen to him if you can. Just look for The Critical Drinker. You'll find an illustration of this guy or maybe his own face with the sunglasses and drinking out of a whiskey bottle, uh, out of a Jack Daniels bottle, that is. And um, I am, I pull my hat to this guy because he really, he has his, 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 his mind and his words all in the right place. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And he's a film buff and freak like most of us. And uh, before I start, you know, continuing to rant about this kind of stuff, you should really check him out. He's, he's, he's just a genius, in my opinion. He will never listen to this podcast, so, you know, I don't have to think about that kind of stuff. <laughs> anyway, back to uh, the real world, back to um, the podcast, which I always wanted to talk about. I tried to record three times this session talking about Jason Voorhees, and um, about Jason Goes to Hell. It is, unfortunately, one of the most hated movies 
in the franchise and one of the most hated movies overall in the horror film business because everybody connects a sequel to, let's say, a certain amount of shame, if you know what I mean, I mean especially if you look at um, Friday, no, not um, Freddy Krueger and, and the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Um, part six, The Final Nightmare, is... is um, to me personally, quite a good film. It's it's very creative in in in, in its content, but it, it commercially it was not a success. It was like a bomb, you know. It just really flopped at at the box office. Nobody really cared about it, which I thought was a shame. But it might be that those movies were just too goofy in the end to be to be taken serious by any stretch of the imagination. I personally like the creative input in, in, in that movie uh, quite a lot. And I think from all the the, um, the Nightmare films, this is one of the most watched for me personally, aside from uh, the first part, um, part three, of course, The Dream Warriors, which is um, an underrated masterpiece, in my opinion. It's really a, a great storyline. The only thing that I would wish for they would have done in that movie was to stretch the battle between the dreamers when they finally reveal the powers that they have or wish they would have in the dream world then confronting you know uh, a freddy and, and trying to stretch that battle a bit more but you know ilm is just really expensive <laughs> i can i can understand that horror films back in those days were not exactly interesting for producers or you know movie companies to invest too much money into them so it's always a shame, really. I'd like to see a horror film, a really expensive one. I'd like to see a, a bomb, just a gigantic bombastic. It's actually more a German word to use here. I'd like to see a completely epic proportion of a horror film that costs a ton of money to do and uh, filled with special effects fantastic storylines and you can stretch that universe into like five different ones or five movies five episodes and stuff like that i think we could really have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff and i'm wondering if anybody will ever do something like that oh my back is killing me guys oh well okay so let's get down to the film here i'm Let's see, how much time do I have left for today? I'm, we, I almost cracked the 15-minute mark. So I can get back here to the movie. The movie came out in 1993, which was supposed to be uh, a, a more, let's say... Um, experimental installment because the director Adam Marcus at the time was a very young dude I think it was he was in his early 20s at the time and uh, he got offered to do this 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 job I think uh, this Adam Marcus is responsible for the for the move for the story as well as his friend or colleague uh, Jay Hugely I think is his name. I can't pronounce the last name. I'm sorry about that. And the, uh, two guys named uh, Jay Hugely, probably the brother, and Dean Lore wrote the screenplay based on Adam Marcus's ideas. That's as much as I know. Now, the fun thing about this stuff is there is a rumor about this movie that 
Ashan S. Cunningham supposedly said to Adam Marcus, get that damn hockey mask away. Get it, get it off, destroy it in the film. Just get rid of it. He didn't like it very much. And I think, I mean, to this day, Sean S. Cunningham denies ever saying that. When he goes to conventions, he always repeats that when he gets questioned. I don't know what Adam Marcus is talking about. I never said that. I don't think that's true. I think Adam Marcus has no reason to lie. He was a young dude uh, looking forward to a, a, a special effects gorgasmic movie that he created, which it actually is. Um, having, having the time of his life trying to, to put this film together and years later um, when the, that movie got torn apart um, somehow the information got out I'm not sure who, who started saying stuff like that but uh, I think it, it's not I don't think there, there are any ill intentions from, from Adam's side towards Sean S. Cunningham I'm just thinking that there is something really wrong here because Sean S. Cunningham did invent and created the first film, which is a milestone in the horror film industry. I mean, no doubt, uh, hands down, he's, he, he did one of the coolest films. But after the, the first one, Sean, as far as I know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking out of my ass here, but I read a few things about this kind of stuff especially about the productions of these movies. And he did not want to be affiliated with future sequel films of this so-called non-existent franchise, at least not yet. Just like um, Wes Craven never wanted to be connected to uh, any, any sequel produced from his first Nightmare film. Because he thought one movie is enough, the story was told, and it's, fi and it's fine. He didn't see any potential in future movies, while everyone else did. So they butchered, of course, that franchise. A few movies were quite good, others maybe not so good. And the same goes for pretty much any franchise being butchered. And Sean should have probably stayed in that boat a little longer before he just went off, because he never received any royalties, as far as I'm concerned, at least not much, from everything that this uh, uh, Friday franchise created you know all that profit all that money being made over the, over the years i mean the 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 amount of money putting being put into production of these films is not really that high a few million here a few million there fine but what you the the the, the overall uh, movie how do you call that a gross um the profit everything being being played in from that movie internationally is big enough to call it a success in whatever shape or form, especially during the time of the 90s and the early 2000s when DVDs were selling like hotcakes. I mean, everyone I knew was buying this, this shit and collecting uncut and unrated material. So you cannot tell me that Sean S. Cunningham doesn't give a shit about this kind of money passing passing him by. All he can do is just watch the money flow away and he has nothing from it. Okay? I do believe that when he supposedly said, get rid of that goddamn hockey mask, the hockey mask was not his idea. Putting Jason in the spotlight as a killer was not his idea. It was always someone else. But it's all based on his, his first film. And I understand why he's kind of pissed about it. Because uh, he didn't really offer any any creative input for all these 
future movies, and why should he? He uh, turned his back on on that stuff because he's an artist, right? He wants to do new things and not just, uh, you know, like just. I, I almost said like George Romero, but George loved his franchise, the Dead franchise, and he always liked coming back to it. Why not? I mean, he was good. He w he wasn't just good. He was perfect, in my opinion. But Sean wanted to do different uh, movies, a different approach to, to this and that. I'm not even sure how many movies he made, to be honest. I'm not really a Sean S. Cunningham fan. But um, I understand where his uh, frustration comes from. And if uh, I do believe that Adam Marcus was, was telling the truth about, about his statement that he just hates the hockey mask. And I guess the whole idea of this, this gigantic... Um, giant baby with a hockey mask just killing everyone and well I, I don't blame the guy too much but I think uh, I believe that Sean S. Cunningham is a bit hypocritical here I think he's he's lying through his teeth and uh, so are many people these days right just trying to save their reputation and um, yeah that's that that's just that's just my opinion my few cents here on this topic but um before we go deeper into this, this film, let's just talk about the basic idea and the storyline of, of Jason Goes to Hell. The, the main premise, and yes, I'm spoiling a lot here. So if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. Um, uh, if you have and you still want to hear somebody talking positively about this film, you can still listen to me. And if you think that I'm uh, completely wrong, you can always send me a message if you want. I haven't received a message to this date I've been checking I haven't seen anything <laughs> maybe uh, I did something wrong with that setting and nobody can send me anything but there is a Twitter account somewhere so you know you can always blast some information to me that's fine um, the overall premise is about uh, building up more mythology for Jason Voorhees than was ever necessary in the older movies because it was never attempted at least not that much. And the build-up for me personally, everything that was presented and talked about in this film offers a, not only a new take on the Jason franchise, but it offers a unique perspective on the potential of where and what Jason actually is or what he could be. Excuse me, I gotta drink this coffee. I have a sore throat from screaming in the company. <clears throat> maybe if it doesn't work today, I have to maybe switch and take a break or something and maybe make a cup of tea. I don't know. Uh, well, anyway. The interesting thing um, about the, the, the story for me, the, the, uh, the accomplishment in the story, is just being as bold as Adam Marcus was to present an idea that was maybe too crazy at the time, especially for, for, for many fans to accept. But he did it anyway. He was quite bold in his execution, uh, the way it was shot, the pacing of the film, and leading the audience to a completely insane fantasy land where Jason Voorhees, first of all, in the beginning of the film, gets killed by the FBI. 
not killed as in completely dead, but destroyed and dismembered through an explosion. And Jason Voorhees doesn't die, at least not really, and his body can regenerate, at least to some degree. But there's a good question here, which I like, because what happens if you try to dismember Jason's body? If you uh, add so much damage that regeneration is almost impossible, what do you do with Jason Voorhees? And in this film, they uh, explored the fact that his heart cannot be destroyed. At least not completely physically, not by um, adding too much damage, I suppose, which they didn't show. But, you know, his body was torn apart because of a grenade or something. And and his head was flying around, uh, arms and legs torn off, and the torso was completely ripped apart. But his heart didn't take any damage. So I assume, <laughs> for the sake of the argument, that his heart cannot be destroyed by... Uh, any typical means and the interesting thing is the coroner in this film the coroner who's been played by Gant let me see if I can Richard Gant right he's a he's a known a known figure in the Hollywood business always uh, you know quite known for side roles be playing a cop playing a doctor, a coroner, playing a lawyer, you know, he's, he's kind of all out there in so many different productions. I'm not sure what else he has done over the years, but I've, I've seen him many times on TV. It's just, I, it's impossible for me to count. But I could have sworn I've saw him too in, in, uh, on, on the TV show The Mentalist and, you know, God knows what else. He's a very charming guy in my opinion. And the way he plays that coroner when he's trying to examine Jason's heart you can see what I like about that scene is when the heart starts pumping for whatever reason, you know, which he cannot really grasp at, at, at first glance. And his acting is so solid. You, can, you believe his astonishment, his shock, uh, just looking and watching at, as, as Jason's heart is still continuing to beat. And he's standing there in disbelief and letting the scalpel fall. And, and just, you know, uh, he gets hypnotized by the heartbeat which I think is an interesting take. I really enjoy that. And then he starts eating the heart, digesting it, and while he's you know consuming it, um, the true nature and essence of Jason manifests somehow in the body of, of, of the coroner, becoming this demon-like parasite and controlling a human body like a, like a host, like a puppet, and using it to get around, to, you know, trying to find uh, the only true living Voorhees family member or descendant to transform him, to use that body of that person to transform himself back into the traditional Jason. The, the, of course, it's a stretch of imagination here. It's, it's a huge leap of faith you got to take to actually get that kind of stuff going and believing in it. But it's a, it's good, in my opinion, good, solid comic book material that you can use for a horror film. And I did like it. What I didn't like personally was the depiction of Jason's, um, well, the, this, this, this demon-like parasite that we saw. It looks more like a lizard thing. So from a creative standpoint... That's probably one of the weakest things that this movie has to offer. But the idea that Jason can possess someone 
when his body has been destroyed or at least uh, damaged to such a degree that there is no return is an interesting take i like that and i wish they could have done it maybe a bit more more differently a bit more demonic i think more uh, or even secretive you know it's the question is do we need a parasite to actually uh, put jason in this kind of position or to to add a physical form of logic into the movie by forcing your imagination into the scene believing okay so that thing has to be jason now i don't know why i don't know where it came from and i don't know why it looks like a lizard but it's uh it's a fucking thing now so i think adam marcus wasn't really aware at the time if that would work for the audience or not but um it's an interesting experiment i think afterwards uh, when when that story just continues it's all always about jason trying to find uh, a mrs Voorhees that is left in 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 in, in the in, in that bloodline still alive having a baby too and there are three people left i think if i remember correctly who can still give jason the power to live or to kill him and that's where Stephen Williams comes into play, who plays Creighton Duke, the, that bounty hunter, who was introduced on this uh, America's Most Wanted TV show from the movie. And Stephen Williams is, is a fine guy. I like seeing him on TV or in movies. And him playing Creighton Duke is my favorite role. It's over the top. He's cocky as hell like a combination of the best Hollywood actors you can you can think of of the 80s just being badass and cool and foul mouth and just you know all full of totally full of himself but he knows a thing or two about Jason's true origin and it's unclear in the film which I find um, there is a a negative part here you can you can sense that I'm not loving this movie regardless of what it presents. Of course, it has plot holes. You know, I think most horror films have. But I still value this movie because of its creative input and, and content. And Creighton Duke has information on Jason. However he attended that or obtained it, I have no idea. Um, he offers his help to kill Jason completely because he says the FBI did a huge mistake. And uh, which he's right about, of course, and overall the progress of this film. Um, the lead actor who is played by John D. LeMay, uh, the character's name is Stephen Freeman. Steve is trying to get back to his ex-girlfriend, who is, in truth, um, a descendant of the Jason Voorhees uh, legacy and family. And it's not really explained how they all fit together, how they all are connected maybe it's not it's not really necessary to add that kind of logic to the film but it's interesting that uh you know jessica is that's the woman jessica is actually a jessica Voorhees, and her mom is still alive she gets killed in the movie right away well not right away but quite soon actually and that movie is just basically about the fact that Steve is trying to get back to her to protect her and the baby, which is her daughter. And he is the true father here in this film. And because of whatever difference they have, uh, they got separated. 
and um, Steve just gets pulled right in the middle of all of this because he's a witness of the fact that this Jason guy is still alive and somehow possessing people. And first the coroner gets obsessed, uh, uh, possessed, then of course um, the parasite jumps over to, to a police officer, um, a, a guy named Josh, and uh, then there is a TV journalist who is using Jessica for his own benefits to make a, a movie special or TV special about the history and the legacy of the, the, the Jason Voorhees family because for some reason the original Jason Voorhees house is still intact and uh, accessible somehow, right? There's always a, a little logic problem here but I guess that house has not been destroyed it hasn't been taken down or, or rebuilt it's just there for uh, your own amusement, I suppose and he got access to that house. He was planning on creating a TV special there. And that's when he gets uh, attacked by the possessed police officer, Jason. That, um, that parasite gets tossed to, to that uh, character called Robert. Um, being played by Stephen Culp, by the way. Um, his performance in this movie is awesome. Absolutely awesome. And I'm coming to that later. And, uh, well, the story progresses to such a point where, they, you know, Steve can convince Jessica that the, all this shit is not a lie. He's telling the truth and he's just trying to, to protect her and the baby. And they fight together against this, this, this possessed uh, uh, Robert guy. And um, the pacing in this film is just, uh, for me personally, one of the best uh, edits I've ever seen in movies. In general, I think they did a great job in putting the energy, the dynamic, uh, the suspense, the speed, and, and the danger in this movie that it actually needs desperately in, in, in comparison to other Jason films that lack this kind of this entertainment factor. And uh, it's, it's almost like they try to create an action movie uh, in combination with uh, a fantastic character that doesn't really exist, but is based on whatever mythology you want to you want to go with, and um, in the end, of course, there's a gigantic fight. Lots of people die, and Jason returns, which is a huge question mark how that works exactly. But for the sake of the argument, this is a fantasy film. It's not a horror film with a slight mythology of horror elements and paranormal. This is completely paranormal. Everything about this film makes no fucking sense in the end, if you really think about it, which I get why people are upset about this film. But if you just for a moment, like I did, if you dismiss all the other Friday movies and you consider this to be just a standalone storyline, which eventually it is, then it is a masterpiece in itself because no one has ever done a movie like that. And I appreciate what Adam Marcus did with this film. I think it's very entertaining. And even though it has mistakes, and some of them, which I'll get to later, some of them are not as, as well received by the audience like one would assume. And I totally understand that. It makes sense why people hate this movie, but... 
This much hate like it receives nowadays or let's say the last 10 or 15 years, that's absurd. That's just too much. And um, I'm, I will get into this kind of stuff right now. The storyline is pretty much rock solid. In, it has plot holes, yes, but it goes forward, steady, uh, fast-paced, uh, very entertaining in my opinion, right to the end. And the ending is not everyone's cup of tea. I get that. Now, before we go any deeper into the storyline, um, I'd like to, to, first of all, I'd like to say the, the acting is much better than compared to the acting in Part 7. Now, I don't want to say anything negative about Kane Hodder's performance. Kane was first seen in, uh, you know, The New Blood, Part 7, which uh, was also, uh, it, it was... It wasn't really that positively received. A lot of people didn't really buy into this paranormal stuff that a woman with telekinesis could be um, a badass, uh, you know, a opponent or even a threat to Jason. But which, you know, in, in all of these horror films, it was pretty obvious that that the formula seems to work. That there must be a female survivor who struggles all the way through to beat Jason in the end, but will succeed and stay alive until the sequel comes or whatever happens in, 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 in regards to that. And the approach that there, there must be um, a worthy opponent, someone who's able to kick Jason's ass, is necessary in movies like The New Blood. Otherwise, you would just have like another uh, part four or part three part six even part six was really good it's one of the better films in the franchise i think and uh, i'm more i'm more of the 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 obvious jason is zombified fan instead of the nobody really knows who or what the fuck jason is from the first four films because uh no one has any clue it it's it's obvious that there's something wrong with the guy Hence, you know, showing black fingernails and stuff like that. There was always a hint that Jason could not really be human. Or at least something a little bit more than human. I mean, he received an axe to the head and, and all that, you know, or machete. And he still, uh, he still gets back up. Uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> that's, that's the interesting thing about, about Jason. Nobody knows why he can't die. Why he has to just walk around on earth still killing people looking for revenge or just i don't know uh vengeance for all living things i have no idea it's it's something that should maybe be explained in a comic like i'm trying to do uh, which i'm i'm getting around to i started writing the script for my comic book um the first ideas are quite in there mm. But I will not spoil it. I'm not sure when I will ever be able to show some fleshed out drawings and inked drawings, which I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still a huge fan of drawing on paper. And I want to continue drawing the entire, uh, if I can, the entire uh, storyline and, and, and backgrounds and everything on paper for anyone else, for any fan to, to read and, and look at for free. That's the plan still. And um, I have... I know I'm so lazy. I'm, I'm, I'm not 
really that lazy. I'm just slow. I'm, I wish I would be faster with all these tasks I have, but, well, that's my life now. There's nothing I can do about that except working. Well, the acting. Let's, uh, I want to com compress this a little bit. I think the, the best actors in this film are, first of all, Stephen Williams as, as Creighton Duke. I love what he does. His personality, the way he talks, the way he acts, the look on his face, the, the, the slight insane look in his eyes when he talks about Jason or about anything in regards to this film, about the mission. The, and, and, you know, there's a... Stephen Williams uh, carries around a magical dagger, which is, again, something that the fan couldn't appreciate or didn't couldn't believe really or buy into while most viewers thought okay there's a magic dagger and nobody knows where it comes from and why Voorhees is capable of killing him with that dagger and why no one else can and it's not clear where Creighton Duke actually got the dagger from so it's um it's it's that's why I like this movie as a fantasy movie with horror elements, instead of just looking at it as a deep dark backwood slasher film once again. But the logic here is of course missing, which I'll get to later. Just to you know, I, you you have to find the balance here in between to accept this film, I guess, in, in order to like it. But for me, I think the more positive elements still outweigh the negative, and in, in, in many ways, I think. With the exception of one one element that I would like to, or maybe two, <laughs> with the exception of two elements. Well, like I said, Stephen Williams as Creighton Duke is great. He's doing a perfect job in the material that he was uh, given, at least. We have John D. LeMay playing Stephen Freeman, who is also um, doing a tremendous job acting-wise. You believe him wholeheartedly. He's completely in that film, in the in the zone, if you will. Um, delivers quite well. Very believable. He's um, his 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 dialogue. Everything he says is catchy. Is he's not overacting, in my opinion. He's just really playing this concerned guy trying to take care of his girlfriend. And um, I liked watching him all through the film. He's just without him, it wouldn't be the same. Then you have your Kane Hodder, which you only, you barely see the guy as Jason at all, but you see him as, as some um, FBI, uh, 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 some FBI agent or something like that, or, or you know, protection service, uh, waiting outside for uh, the, coroner, the coroner to finish examining Jason's body and working through that and he gets killed uh, Stephen Culp plays Robert Campbell this uh, TV uh, journalist and he is fantastic He's an un he plays an unlikable asshole someone you would just love to punch in the face and he becomes this, this uh, the best manifestation of Jason in the whole film I think Aside from Kane Hodder's performance and all that, it's it's just really beautiful to see him act as this possessed guy, as this 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 uh, different version of Jason Voorhees, and his body language, the way that he receives shots. For example, he gets shot in the face, he gets stabbed, he gets run over, he gets his 
he takes he he really receives so much damage and so much impact and the way he performs it is beautiful from start to finish I loved him the most <laughs> from from all these guys I think he did a perfect job it's it's really cool and um there is Richard Grant, uh, Richard Gant, who plays the coroner. His version of Jason is also very well well done. You don't see him many times, but when you see him, it really rocks. Um, who else is good? All the other actors who play just a tiny role in this film they they are they're good for what they do. They're all very believable. I don't I don't remember many actors going over the top with the exception of I think Rusty Swimmer is her name I have to look that up yeah Rusty Swimmer she plays um, a very loudmouth wife of um, of a fast food of, of a diner right of a diner on Crystal Lake and um, you're just she's always nagging and complaining and you just wait for the fact that, that she gets knocked over by, by Jason at one point which eventually happens, and it's a cool scene. The special effects in this film are really just top-notch. That's At least the gore effects and makeup effects, they're just fantastic. Yeah, and all the other guys, um, I think most actors are there quite uh, memorable for, for the most part. Um, quite attractive ones too and uh, there's some eye candy here of course you see some some boobs sure it's, it's a horror film why not and uh, not that boobs necessarily have to be in horror films but in this type of horror film you are actually expecting to see some naked flesh every now and then and that's where we actually get to uh, get to the acting's ending I think the, the last thing I could I could address is Carrie Keegan, who plays Jessica Kimball, um, she's actually a quite good in, in delivering her role and, and, and the anger that she feels towards towards uh, Steve, that she's not believing him or anything like that. You know, it takes a while in the movie until she understands that he's actually telling the truth, and she's also kicking ass in this film and, and helping uh, Steve to defend the baby, defending her own life and trying to defeat this this Jason guy. And so it's really this 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 uh, Jason manifestation or, uh, you know, the the, the uh, journalist that Robert... And it's really a believable overall experience to watch these guys battle and fight it out. So... I really cannot complain about the acting quality of this film. It's it's not low budget like some crappy movies you watch these days. Their acting is way better. At least in my defense, they are really rock solid. And to get to the effects of this film, I was blown away. I, I really was, and I still am today. There is a, a, a rated, an R-rated version of this film floating around. It was a theatrical release back then, the R-rated version, of course. The unrated is full of the gory stuff that we all love, eventually, in, in, in some movies. 
in this one it is just majestic it's it's like chef's kiss it's beautiful and one of my favorite scenes is not only the heartbeat scene when the coroner is starting to eat uh being hypnotized and starting to eat jason's heart that's just a small effect but it works beautiful and it's really disgusting <laughs> and later on when he uh the the coroner is walking around the, the forests of, of of crystal lake or around crystal lake you find these idiotic uh you know good for nothing campers who don't don't believe in any kind of danger they just want to have fun and have sex somewhere in the woods right so of course there is a sex scene um outside where uh, a couple being totally horny and just two douchebags going into this tent undressing starting to fuck around and the uh the uncut version the unrated version has a, a fantastically long shot sex scene which is interesting that the you know in, in american horror films that you actually see stuff like that because uh you know they have a double standard in america <laughs> They have a gigantic porn industry, but you cannot show too much nude flesh in major films or or TV. It's just it's 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 ridiculous. And well, in this scene anyway, you know, the, the coroner is walking around. The, the Jason is walking around, taking a steel rod somewhere that probably belongs to the tent, and walks around that tent, stabbing through the tent, through the chest of the woman while she's riding her her boyfriend and just in the right moment when she is actually receiving a thankful gorgeous beautiful orgasm she dies <laughs> and i think that scene is just perfect because it's really hardcore that scene the 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 unrated version you see how she gets the, the body the, the torso gets stabbed through with that steel rod the boyfriend of course completely in shock and blood everywhere she's spewing blood and in the next shot you see how jason pulls that rod upwards splitting her torso wide open through the shoulder you know it's just from from the stomach all the way up through the shoulder and it's um it really it's it's gut-wrenching if you see it the first time it's really intense and it's been shot really fast. And I, I watched that special effect scene so many times in slow motion to understand how that works. I mean, that's how I roll. I watch these movies like that. And you can see that in the first shot, it's just this, this dummy torso, you know. I mean, we're just, just talking about the special effect, not the actress herself. But just the torso being stabbed really quickly, which is intense enough. And in, in the next shot, the torso is already split, uh, beautifully crafted in my opinion. And all the actor does is just going with that rod really quickly through the body. So, which is something, if it's shot in normal speed or played back in normal speed, edited right in there at the right spot, you don't realize it when you see it the first time. It looks like he's actually tearing her up, but it, the body, that, that, that prop has already been been uh, you know created and molded in, in, in this um this with the exit wound so to speak and that he just goes right through it with the rod and it looks beautiful it's really well done shot and it, it it's just it's like a gut punch when you see it the first time it's really cool 
and um, it's one of the best effects in the film. The other ones that are really beautifully done are there's a, a, a transformation sequence when Josh, that police officer or the sheriff here, or deputy, I'm not sure what his job really is, but I know that he works for the police, right? So um, he gets possessed and his body gets weak because he got stabbed by Steve and it was a fight and all that kind of crap. And he, um, when he passes the Jason's parasite into um, into Robert, the, the the asshole journalist. That's an interesting sequence. It's uh, it's it's done in Jason Voorhees's house. Uh, the police officer Josh kind of collapses afterwards, realizing that he's back in his own mind and alive for a few seconds, and then he starts to decay to kind of deteriorate or something, just dismembering his body, or he's just melting away, like his body cannot take it anymore. And that scene is really very graphic at one point, and very slimy and gooey too, because they have shot that scene in a few takes, a few times, showing first of all how Josh's face uh, starts melting, the skin melts, and all you know, just his face is just like uh, pouring down almost. And he he plays it very well, you know, uh, showing that he has a tremendous amount of pain and can't really uh, focus on anything. He's just losing it completely. Then he he's he gets he throws himself against the wall. His skin gets kind of his flesh gets stuck to the wall, and he just pulls back and tears everything off. Then he falls to the ground, and you see how uh, his 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 guts are coming out. All the flesh and all the skin just gets vaporized, almost. You know, everything gets liquid. And he's tearing off his jaw because the jaw is actually the trick is just the the jaw is mounted against the floor, and he's pulling it completely off, tearing it off from his skull. A beautiful scene, I think. It's just really well done. The the, the special effects, the suit, everything, the the, the gooiness. I'm not sure what it is. It looks like yogurt or something. But it's also intense to watch in in um, in combination with the soundtrack, I think. Which I'm coming to later. And uh, the other other special effects that were just really mind-blowing to me were uh, the, the, the fight sequence against Robert when shit hits the fan and Steve and Jessica try to uh, escape somehow try to kill him off. He gets run over. He gets shot multiple times. He gets uh, stabbed and all that. It's just... Uh, Jason's blood is black in this film. He's Maybe just as, as a hint that whatever is possessing these humans, it cannot be human because Jason doesn't have real blood, obviously, or at least not that much blood. Because the interesting thing is the coroner, when he uh, examined Jason's body, he was counting uh, the bullet wounds, which were around a hundred, I suppose. Um, there was he, he never mentioned anything about black blood being found in 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 the arms or legs. You know, it's just uh, not even in the torso or the head. 
And while he was examining the heart, he mentioned that uh, Jason's heart is twice the size of a normal human being. It has many like fat-like chambers built around the heart. It looks really um, uh, not, not human directly, but it's deformed for whatever reason. It's not the normal shape of a heart. It looks completely messed up. And while he's trying to uh, slice into that heart, there is black viscous fluid that just exits the, the heart. And he mentions that for the first time. And he says, yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's not blood. So, you know, there's an interesting aspect here. It's something that just I'd like to take for my own uh, sake and in my own comic world in trying to explain what that fluid might be. If it, if it should be anything. I'm not sure if I'm going to really stick with it and take it for the storyline. But it's an interesting thought there, and I'd like to, I'd I'd like to implement that. I, I really do. One thing they didn't do in this film is taking off Jason's mask, which I thought should be a given because it's been done so many times. But um, in this case, if you can take Jason's body apart and you have to examine the dead fucker, I mean, sure, you got to remove the mask. Uh, and while we're still talking about the special effects, the choice of Jason's persona and his the way he looked physically or facially, let's say, is uh, some people love it, some people hate it because they didn't accept, they couldn't accept the fact that Jason still had some hair left. We're talking about very thin, floaty hair, like baby hair on his head. His head is completely deformed. Like his, it looks like his skull has been broken multiple times and then grew back together again, and in a very obscure way, just really askew, and it makes no sense. But it's an interesting design choice, which I do like to some degree. I think they could have reduced that a little bit. It looks a bit too clunky in the film overall. But what I do love is the mask being really pushed and cut into Jason's flesh. It's like as, as if his body is trying to absorb the mask. You know, maybe through an accident or something, maybe he, his head got squashed, but the mask is really in the skin. And I, I would have loved to see a scene where they just pulled that mask out of the skin, out of the flesh. That would have been interesting to watch. And um, yeah, they didn't do that. But the, I love that design choice, I think. It's, it's a good way forward to create a very grotesque-looking Jason Voorhees. And um, the other effects, there's a broken arm to be seen in front of the diner. The, the only son, I think, from those diner owners gets killed in front of the door. Uh, Jason walks up to him. In this case, it, it's, it's Robert, and he just grabs his arm and breaks it immediately. And you see bone sticking out of the arm and all that. It's just, it's a cool scene. It's well crafted. I think the special effects here have really done an, a good job. They have been beautifully created and produced. It's just, I like watching it. I, I can't help myself. And there's also a scene later on uh, in the back of the diner, I think, where uh, I can't remember the character's name. There's a woman attacking Jason stabbing Robert, the Robert Jason, through the chest with a rod. And I have no idea where that rod comes from. 
And uh, what's really cool is he grabs her and pulls her over the rod to himself, impaling her in the process. And she is spitting blood all over him, which is a cool scene. The lighting is great. Everything is shiny. You see the, the gooey blood everywhere. And the, the obsession in Robert's face is gorgeous when he grabs her head and just squishes the skull so bad that a portion of the brain just pops open in the air and lands on his head and just floats, you know, just running down his face before he collapses. And that's beautiful. It's just really gore-wise, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic scene. Uh, full of passion, in my opinion. It's really uh, fun to watch. And, uh, well, the, the other effects going to the ending to the film is where the good and the bad actually come, come more forward, where this movie uh, almost doesn't make any, any sense anymore, tragically so, is when you see actually what Jason is, this, this lizard fuck a parasite thing, whatever it is. When I saw it the first time, I was, I wasn't overwhelmed by it. I wasn't impressed either. I was asking myself why, why exactly must it be always these parasite things? You know, it's it's um, it it's almost like they tried to make Jason an alien, in, in a demonic form of an alien, and I think they might have done something differently with that. There's always the case that Jason's soul or ghost, spirit, whatever you want to call it, might be still around, floating around, looking for the perfect body to possess. And if that would be the case, how can you stop Jason then? If he has a physical form like this, this parasite thing, you have the aspect of running away. First of all, you have the aspect of maybe killing it, if that's even possible. And the aspect is still limited in his physique and the ability to run around, to, to hide, or whatever. It, it, it can still be, be fought or captured in some way. And if you would just go with the idea that Jason's spirit can possess people, where, where's the limit then? You know, It would have been maybe more realistic if you want to go with his demonic stuff instead of just throwing around a fucking parasite or some a bunch of worms and um, it's 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 hard to you can't really defend yourself anybody could be Jason for all eternity and Jason's soul could just jump from body to body and just keep killing and killing and of course breaking the body down that he's wearing so um, that's a bit of a bit of a bummer I think that they couldn't find a better solution to get the story into a more believable outcome in the end. But uh, that's just my opinion here. Something else that is still uh, kicking people's balls in the end is the final sequence when Jason actually gets pulled down into hell. I think budget-wise they really hit the wall here because they couldn't do anything better. What you see in the film is actually Jason being finally stabbed completely in the heart by Jessica. 
you know, she gets her hands on the dagger finally and, and attacks Jason in this epic or wannabe epic scene where J- Jason finally kicks the bucket. And uh, it's still the logic here is, of course, you know, where the fuck does this dagger come from? And uh, once that, that, that dagger has been pushed completely into Jason's chest, which, uh, which Jessica does through a kick, um, you can see how the sky opens. And everything that is about Jason, his soul, the essence, the energy, the spirit, whatever, gets pulled out of his body into heaven, so to speak, or whatever dimension that might be. And hands from hell, I suppose, gigantic rubber hands, break through the ground, grabbing Jason and trying to pull him down into hell where he belongs. So that scene is not very good. To be to be fair, it's not it's not really good. I'm not sure what the other ending would be. I think there's an alternative ending that they wanted but couldn't do because of the budget. So we have to wait until the new documentary about the final the final Friday will probably surface one fine day I haven't been looking this up myself there is somewhere a link online on the internet the internet movie database where you can read at least some information about it most actors have been together with Adam Marcus in front of the camera talking about their experience and making the film and I'm looking forward to that movie the making of, of this film. I think a few things could be clarified here, especially about the hatred of the film, how much uh, Adam Marcus was suffering from from the backlash of this movie. And I think it makes perfect sense, really, to, to listen to his opinion on it. And, um, the, you know, the, I think the poor guy deserves more credit for making this film, actually. To make it happen, even if it has a few weak spots, of course it has. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's still a lot better than many films I've seen today. And while we're at it, you know, aside from from the special effects, the soundtrack, the score, is still done by Harry Manfredini, and in it still resembles the a few parts. Of the classic, uh, 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 the classic theme of the the, the Friday franchise, the typical uh, you know this this violin uh, fast paced play that you you hear this 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 melody, and in this this version this movie it just gets a bit magnified, I think, into a more a faster more aggressive play with 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 the intention to make you nervous or to make you scared when you hear the music the first time now the music is not overall super high quality but it does the job just fine in pushing buttons i think and getting you on the edge if you don't like this kind of soundtrack you will be annoyed by it quickly i do believe because it's it's not really always in your face, but it has a style, and it keeps repeating itself to deliver more tension to some scenes. 
Okay. And um, the soundtrack, I think what I really enjoyed about the soundtrack are some sound effects that have been being played. I'm not sure if it's all from Harry Man Manfredini or if someone else did that from the sound department. What you hear is actually that heartbeat of Jason. It, all you hear is just this, this bass line um, simulating a heartbeat. And it, it's like it's trying to manipulate you as, as a viewer or the audience, so to speak, into becoming terrified. And the sound, you hear it more often in the movie, and it's really cool. It just, it, when, I, when I saw that movie the first time and heard the effect the first time, I could feel my skin crawl. I like that. It's really cool. And I always thought I could get the soundtrack with those effects, but all you get is actually Harry's music in total, the entire score that he did. There's somewhere a soundtrack out there that you can buy if it's not out of print, which it probably is, I suppose. But that is something uh, to look... That is something worth mentioning, I think, because it really works delivering the suspense and uh, the, the, the uh, grim atmosphere in this film. Um, much recommended to, to watch it just because of that, additionally, I think. Uh, creatively, I think it's a very wise choice to do even such a thing. Uh, the heartbeat is magic in this film. At least, to me, it is. Uh, I just have to grab something to drink. I'll be right back. Okay, I am back. Um, that was a short break, wasn't it? <laughs> Thank God for the pause button. Um, where was I? Was I? Yeah, well, the special effects, the soundtrack, they work. Um, let's get down to the, the almost the finishing line of this assessment of mine. The plot holes in this film, the bad stuff in the movie that doesn't work. Um, well, first of all, I do think that the body hopping uh, idea, I think it does work because I do cherish the uh, creative content and the ideas that have been put into this film to make it unique. Okay, I do, I, I dig that. I like this kind of stuff, but they could have done something else or something more with the depiction of Jason's miniature body in this lizard form. I mean, this that wasn't the wisest choice. It could have been anything. Why was it depicted and designed like that? I don't know. But I, I understand that if the body hopping is an issue for you, the parasite will definitely be an issue because it, it takes away Jason's power and makes him less magnificent, I think, if you look at it that way. So I do believe that there is a, uh, there's a problem with that depiction of Jason, and I, I understand why. The other plot hole, one that is, has been discussed about so many times, is um, there is a police officer in this film, a friend of Stephen, I forgot his name, he doesn't, he, you know, you, you, you see him a few times, he's trying to help Steve out, but Steve gets arrested because he committed a crime or something, or at least, you know, they believe that he could be a threat to, to Jessica and all that kind of nonsense, the typical cliches of the horror film or any kind of story, really, where the good guy gets always, you know, he always gets the shit. And... Um, let me just f figure out, I have, I have to look that name up. All right, so his name, the actor's name, is Kip Marcus. 
and he plays a character called Randy. Right, that's exactly where I had this guy. And Randy is supposed to be a close friend of Steve's. Okay, and at the end of the film, when you do not know, because Robert is obviously, you know, heavily wounded, his body can't take anymore, and you see from a camera perspective that somebody was entering the diner looking at the mayhem and, and, and the, the destruction, the blood, the dead, and he gets attacked by Robert, while Jason, as Robert, still can. And you don't know exactly who that is. It could be any of the, the remaining police uh, officers, any of the remaining actors. And the plot hole here is at the ending, before Jason can actually transform, Randy comes in and starts speaking to, you know, to one of those guys, I think to the sheriff, whatever, and he says, like, get away from, get away from her and all that. And... Um, that's the problem right after that scene when the older sheriff dies and gets stabbed by mistake I would say I think if I remember correctly you see Jessica freaking out over the fact that Randy is actually possessed by Jason so the question is since when does Jason talk and I get that you know um, many fans just freaked the fuck out when they saw that scene I personally was amazed that he could do that uh, uh, at all, that they implemented this idea, and they used that to cheat their way around the plot to make it more, I don't know, like a surprise factor. That doesn't work. That's true. That's the, the one of the few things that really do not work very well in this film and were heavily criticized, rightfully so, because Jason has no reason to talk. And I don't think he can talk. I think he understands very well. But even if he would try to talk, he wouldn't sound like a normal human being. So that aspect is bullshit in this film. It shouldn't be in there. They did a mistake. Fine. Let's move on. It's in the movie. There's nothing you can do about it. So the other logical mistake, one that pisses me off a bit more these days, to be honest, is the final transformation when... The parasite, the, the, the tiny, let's say tiny Jason, finds uh, Jessica's mother dead in that Voorhees house basement and uses the corpse to transform uh, back into the original version of himself, which is, uh, it's an interesting aspect. I don't think that it's impossible for this fan fantasy, fantastic world to be accepted. What is problematic for me to accept is that after the transformation is complete, Jason is completely intact, including his clothes. The mask is back right into his, you know, pressed into his face. And I think even, even the machete, if I remember. And that's just, you know, what the fuck? <laughs> Why? How? You know, it's like everything that he possesses, everything he wears is stored in some kind of data device in, on, on a demonic hard disk at the edge of the universe. And if the transformation is, is successful, everything gets downloaded and back to normal. So yeah, that makes no sense. 
it, that is something, when I saw it when I was younger, I was completely amazed, like, wow, I've never seen this before. How can this happen? But over the years, when you look at it and you think to yourself, okay, this is like cheating completely, where it becomes too ludicrous to actually accept, and that's where the movie loses loses its quality completely. And uh, it's, it's, it's understandable why fans really tear this film apart. But... Aside from these things, I think the storyline overall is still worth watching. It's well executed. The gore and the, the special effects are just, for the most part, with the exception of the ending, really memorable. And they, you can you can easily see why anybody could be uh, you know like like gorgasmic surprised about it. And the acting is over, overall very well done. I think the pacing is great. The editing of the movie is great. The soundtrack is great for at least what it's worth. The sound effects are great with the heartbeat and all that stuff. And, you know, when when, when, when Jason gets stabbed multiple times, the screams that he, he utters, it's just... Everything is well-crafted. I do like it. It's just that the movie loses its power at the end of the film, which is unfortunate really unfortunate they could have done so much more i think with a franchise uh not with a franchise but with this installment they could have done more if they had enough money i suppose but um it is what it is and i don't think that it's a bad film overall i think we can we can close this argument for today because i'm starting to get a little tired and hungry i have seen much worse i have seen really bad films in my lifetime and I cherish this movie for its creativity. So the conclusion of my assessment from all the movies I've seen, give this movie a chance because it is entertaining. It has a few jokes. It has partially good dialogue. It has great acting, in my opinion. The action sequences are just great. The pacing, the editing of those scenes are great. The gore is fantastic. It's very entertaining from start to finish, in my opinion. And yes, the movie has problems. So not everything is perfect about this film. I mean, it's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. By, by any means, not a perfect film. But it's still enjoyable to watch. And I find it shameful and almost sad that it gets so much heat, so much blame, so much hate over the years. And it's... I would almost say it's not fair, really, to do that. But I personally cannot really understand where all that hatred comes from in the end. Because for me, to round this up, just to, to get a closing argument, I like the, the, the Jason Voorhees character as a whole in almost all of the films. I like him a lot more than the first movie. But, you know, if, if you use and reuse, recycle the same formula of a backwood slasher over and over and over again. Uh, I mean, if, 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 you, if you are completely satisfied with this kind of stuff, this kind of storytelling, like uh, Sleep Away Camp Part 1 to 3, which is a good film, it's a good trilogy. I mean... Uh, where's the point? Don't you want to see something else in between? Is it, doesn't it get boring after a while? 
I mean, you can make a backwood slasher and make it great if you really focus on it and, and trying to find a solution to make an old story still interesting and relevant today, which the, the Jason reboot failed to do, for example. So, you know, you can, you can try. You can always try, of course, if you really want to keep the theme of a backwood slasher alive. But it's still the same formula in most cases. And there's only so much you can do. It's still going to remain a typical backwood slasher. And I, for one, I do like these kind of films, but I get tired of them every now and then when I see the same formula used over and over again. Like, let's say, Wrong Turn. That's one of those films. You know, it's, it's, it's good when you see the, the first one. The other films, not as good anymore. And the formula stays the same. Uh, I personally didn't like Friday the 13th Part 4 that much. I think the, the, the best thing about the fourth part is Tom Savini's special makeup effects for the film. He actually created Jason before anyone else did. You know, it's, it's his creation, his invention. And the special effects are just gigantic. The first movie that was shot, his special effects, Part 4... Uh, the Jason's head, the, the the machete going through his head, all the special effects, the torn torsos, the, all the violence—that's his stuff. You know, he knows exactly what he's doing, and it's it's beautiful to watch. It really is, and he's a master of his craft. Uh, and and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. The storyline is still kind of dumb. In in the end, I love Jason, but I don't like the storylines of of most of these films. They're always, they, they are too boring for me. That's what I'm trying to get at. I need more creative input into these films to make them more powerful. That's where part six comes into play, where I think C.J. Graham did a great job as Jason. The whole storyline, the premise, the plot is just beautiful of making Jason come to life with much more power, more strength, which gets realized beautifully by Kane Hodder in, in part seven, part eight, part nine, too short, I get that. Yeah, that's also, um, you know, uh, um, uh, that's a letdown for many people because Kane is like internationally recognized as the Jason Voorhees and almost nobody else, which is a shame. <laughs> but, you know, he knows what he's doing. His body language is just unique and it's beautiful. Then there's Jason X, which is an entertaining film, but, you know, it's more cheesy than Part 9, I believe. And... Really, putting Jason into space, was that necessary? I don't know. He was, he's been everywhere except Egypt and, and space, I think. I don't know. I'd rather, I'd rather see Jason get transported to China and watch him you know, take, take apart Shanghai or Hong Kong or somewhere down in, in Japan, for example, wrecking havoc. That would be also interesting to watch. I think Jason Takes Manhattan was a good idea. I did like the premise because it took Jason finally out of Crystal Lake, something that we've seen so many times. And then, you know, the budget was too tight and there were so many possibilities, so many things you could do in the end. But who's going to pay for it, you know? Which is a shame because if you have Manhattan and you got a serial killer like this guy walking around, let him take on the police let him take a complete police squad, you know, out of existence. Let Jason have some fun. And unfortunately, they didn't do that. And that's still something I'm waiting for. I want to see a badass Jason film where he goes really berserk. 
and like in uh, Freddy versus Jason, that was almost epic. Unfortunately, it wasn't played by Kane Otter. That's a tragedy in and of itself, but the overall experience that we got is, uh, it's kind of okay. It's a more clumsy, uh, slower, more childish-like behavior of Jason, but uh, the showdown, the fight sequence between Freddy and Jason, it really pays off, I think at least. So the question remains, uh, should you watch Jason Goes to Hell? If you haven't seen the film at all, and all you hear is like people foul-mouthing the movie and talking bad about it, give it a chance, watch it on your own time. I don't think it's all that bad to watch. Um, the creative input and uh, the, the all creative content of this film are worth watching. I think it's much better than people give it credit for. Um, if you're a die-hard Jason fan, you will be most likely disappointed by this film. Yeah, well, I, I do believe I am a die-hard fan, but I got to be realistic here. I want to see something new. I want to see something fresh. I'd like to see Jason in an environment that I haven't seen before. That's just the way it goes. I mean, it's like watching The Walking Dead for so many seasons. And you, you're asking yourself, what is life like for, you know... The, the survivors and how are the dead uh, decaying or even further developing themselves? Can they develop themselves more? Can they, can they evolve? Can they become more in different parts of the world? What about Africa? What about, uh, like I said, China? What about North Pole? If, if, if a zombie is even capable of walking in that, in that ice and snow, probably not. And you know that kind of stuff. What about uh, what about the 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 space space station of, of the ISS? What if someone dies up there and becomes also this uh, zombie? Is that even possible? You know, is is that this this unwritten law, this supernatural law? Is it is it can it still exist outside of space? So you know, that's a kind of I'd like to see stuff like that. And not just, let's show another house in another city and so many dead people. It gets boring after a while. you got to come up with a new idea. And that's where I like to see Jason in a more um, complex and rich mythology that adds more mystery, maybe more explanation, and more mystery, on the other hand, about Jason. And I'm one of those guys I'd like to see just more. I'd like to see fresh ideas, more creativity. And I have to pull my hat to Adam Marcus for doing a good job. It's not perfect. Uh, there are many plot holes. Why the fuck is, is the dagger there? Where does the dagger come from? I have no idea. Why does Creighton Duke has the dagger? Uh, have, wait a minute, I've I've got, I got to pay attention with my English here. Why does Creighton Duke possess the dagger? Where did he get it from? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's an ancient artifact, I can only assume. An artifact that is capable of killing off demon beings. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Because I don't think anyone crafts a dagger specifically for Jason. That's bullshit. So, yeah, that's one of the, these plot holes that make no sense in the film. But they're still fun to watch. <laughs> well, anyway, I have to stop. Uh, I will leave you at that. I want to cut the cords on the Jason mythology and Jason goes to hell. 
I recommend this movie because I still think it's fun. If you want to have something to laugh at, fine, take this movie. If you want to be amazed by some really good gore, take the movie. If you want to be amazed by creative content like this, give Adam Marcus a chance. If you fucking hate anything that goes beyond the original concept of Jason, don't watch the film. That's all I can say. So, that being said, um, I cannot make another cup of coffee. It's too late. I have to continue on my drawing. I will be back with that drawing and maybe something else too. I wish you all lots of fun. I wish you all the health you can get. Stay protected, stay healthy, stay um, with your friends and family. Enjoy life a little bit. And if you can, you know, just take a walk outside. Be happy. Enjoy the sunlight sometimes. Enjoy rain. Enjoy thunder. Enjoy. Be thankful that you are here in this day and age, even if our lives are a bit more chaotic than they used to be. But it's still fun to be here, I think. Not everything is bad. Not everything that we do needs to be over-examined and questioned. And, and, you know, all this kind of nonsense that we do to each other over, over the years with... Starting from, you know, the gender politics to the woke madness of movies to political correctness to being more green to be this and that and just being categorized, being pushed into some kind of envelope and, and being stapled as, as a racist just because you think differently uh, like other people or being, uh, being a monster for not being on the same side as someone else is just ridiculous. And we're behaving like, like idiots in this, this day and age, like children that never grew up. And that's how we behave. And it's pathetic to watch. And I can only wish for people to just drop the act for once and just just enjoy themselves. You know, it's, it's, it's good that you're here. It's good that you're alive. And you should show other people that you like being here, that you like them for who they are, no matter what they look like, what gender they have, where they come from, whatever the fuck they believe, or what party they voted for. You know, it's all bullshit. What's really important is that we can live together in peace and quiet and just enjoy ourselves for who we are and not for what we are or what we want to be or supposed to be. But that's just me talking. I'm rambling again. I gotta go, guys. I wish you all the best. Take care of each other and we'll, we'll hear from one another or from me in the next few days or weeks again take care and bye-bye and hopefully enjoy the film okay enjoy the movie if you can